Is Israel on the brink of a civil war? 300,000 people have taken to the streets to protest. All flights out of Ben-Gurion Airport are currently canceled. Air Force pilots are refusing to train. What does this mean for your Pesach plans? Well, you'll find out about that in this episode of The Daily Thread. Okay, so a lot going on around the world, specifically in Israel. It, it it's like a scene out of like some civil war movie, no? Well, yes, it's also changing uh, by the hour. Um, things are uh, out of control uh, to an extent. Uh, this all started to really snowball once uh, the last election took place back in November, and it became clear that uh, there'll be a right wing government led once again by Prime Minister Benjamin uh, Netanyahu. And uh, the as the people know that follow the news, uh, even if you don't follow the news, you can't get out of the way of understanding that the crux of the matter is uh, the need for judicial reform uh, in, in in the state of Israel. And uh, they're, they're, they're fighting over it. They're fighting over it for well, multiple reasons. Well, let's talk about it. I saw somebody online that is currently in Israel, and they are trying to get back to America for Pesach, and they could not. They were not sure if their plane was going to be taking off. You have air, airline pilots that are refusing to fly. Uh, airport workers are refusing to work. Police people are putting down their, their uniforms and their weapons. They're saying they're not working. How does this happen in a country like Israel? Well, first of all, you know, this is a, a, it's a, a, a democracy uh, gone wild. It's an out-of-control democracy if there, if there is such a thing. Uh, I think there's a way to approach it. Um, I spoke to a friend of mine who is a reporter in Israel who told me that uh, the right wing is really, they maintain the majority in the Netanyahu coalition. And he said Ben Gvir, uh, who is the public uh, uh, minister, uh, uh, he was a public security minister, which means he heads up the police, and Smorich, uh, who is the finance minister, are not doing their jobs properly. And he thinks that the right-wing government, the Netanyahu government, should uh, uh, continue and and do what they have to do, but that these two should be replaced because they're just not getting their job done. You have a really? public, you have a public security minister like Ben Gvir. He's telling the police what to do, and they're not doing it. They're refusing to do. What do you do next? Well, well how does that happen? And, and, and you know, like we we discussed briefly before we went on the air, Israel is a country that depends on their security. Even as this is going on, there are three hundred thousand people protesting in the streets. Um, the Arabs are attacking Israel still. There was a shooting attack in Hawara. Now, if the air force is going to refuse to train, and if um, members of the police are going to refuse to be working, where does that put Israel in terms of security? That that's not a good place to be. Well, you know, there's a logical. Um a civilized way to uh, approach those problems, I believe. Uh, I think that um, I think one of those ways is to um, ha- hold people accountable at different levels. If the public uh, security minister Ben Gvir tells the police commissioner to do something and he refuses, he has to be brought before a judge uh, to to be charged with insubordination, uh, with defying orders, and be sentenced to uh, to and be put in prison pending trial. And then his assistant has to take over. And if assistant refuses to follow the direction of the of the minister, which the minister was elected to effectuate, then he gets brought before a judge and he gets put in prison. And he goes to his assistant until you finally find some guy down the line that's willing to do his job correctly and responsibly. This business of just going to the street and closing down the country doesn't ha- can't happen in any any civilized democracy. 
Well, we know that in, in other countries in the Middle East, things like this have been tried. But, you know, take uh, Assad in Syria and what they would just do is sort of gas their own civilians for trying to protest. Obviously, that's not going to happen in Israel, but it is problematic when you have an elected body of a government, the right wing government that was elected by the people. And you have uh, you have hundreds of thousands of people that are ultimately paralyzing the government. They are trying to shut down the state of Israel. No flights in, no flights out. I know Benjamin Netanyahu was was trying or he was planning on going to uh, leave the country for a meeting out of country and an LL pilot refused to fly him. Well, now, I, I think, I think that, by, I think by tonight the flights will be, uh, they'll be delayed, but they'll be moving again because they did come to an, an agreement uh, just before we started recording uh, today. They came to an agreement between Ben Gvir and uh, Netanyahu that they're going to postpone uh voting on legislation that changes the judiciary uh, and they're going to take it up at the summer session which begins after the Pesach uh, recess and uh, between now and then the whole idea is for them to sit in a room and negotiate changes. Now the reporter that I spoke to in Israel uh, told me that the left wants changes in judiciary too. The left has not been you know exactly uh, very nice uh, to uh, to people that have been brought before them. They put former Prime Minister Olmert, they put him in jail for uh, 20 months a few years ago uh, for all kinds of for, for bribery and for other crimes. Uh, they brought uh, Ahad Barak uh, to uh, to uh, to account for things that he did when he was Prime Minister. And one of the problems now is they're trying to get uh, Netanyahu uh, convicted of certain uh, types of crimes, not as egregious or as extreme as Olmert, but still, this is what they're, what they're trying to do. And the right believes that the judiciary and the courts and the judges were being misused. Well, something that you mentioned prior to recording as well is that one of the biggest problems right now is that the whole world is watching. The whole world is watching Israel, and it's not a good look. It's not a good look when you have hundreds of thousands of members of your country revolting against the government. Now, how could Israel, I guess, save face? What, what could be done for them to sort of maintain their reputation as a good, solid democracy in the Middle East? Well, you know, over the last few months, I got to know one of uh, uh, my Ben-Gavir's aides, uh, who lives in uh, Hebron, and I, I said, I gave, I sent him. Uh, I, I thought this morning after watching the news on, on uh, Israel I twenty four news live from Israel, uh, which those of you who live in uh, in, in Long Island, it's uh, channel six ten uh, on Verizon. I think um, it's called I twenty four. You should be able to find it on your channel finder or however you find channels. But one of the things I said to him was the the, the approach here should be to go full speed ahead pass the legislation, change the laws, and then announce, before you vote, be, announce that they're going to take, we're not going to implement the laws. We're going to change the law. We're going to get the government more involved in the selection of judges, uh, and that's just one of the main um, items on the agenda. And then we're not going to implement those changes for 90 days while we sit down and talk. Okay, so the new laws will be on the books. They're not going to be implemented. We're going to sit down and talk for 90 days. And if, this, if we agree on changes, we'll make amendments to those new laws. And then we'll, we'll, well, move, yeah. we'll move from there. Okay, but so, so they, they did reach a compromise, but a little different than that. Okay, uh, they said they're going to, uh, in order to restore order 
and have a nice uh, uh, Chag, uh, a nice Yom Tov season, which is coming up very soon. They're going to uh, pause uh, the uh, voting on, on, on these laws, on these changes. They're going to pause and they're going to take it up uh, what's called the summer session, which I guess begins around the beginning of May. Well, does that mean that the protest should be subsiding? I think the protests are going to be subsiding. Every every side's going to declare victory. The left's going to say they got the government to stop uh, um, affecting, putting into effect uh, new laws that change the face of the country, and the right's going to say that it's, uh, the agreement between Ben Gvir and Netanyahu is to continue where we left off, unless we can reach uh, a compromise agreement. Now, yeah, there's another there's a flip side to this that we mentioned in the past. Uh, over the last 20 years, uh, when there was uh, the Oslo Accords, uh, when Rabin and Perez were in power, and the right was saying, no, Oslo Accords is a terrible idea. It's going to end in people being killed. It's going to end in terrorism. And the left said to the right, well, we're in power now, buddy. Sorry, we're doing it. We have the votes. We have the power. Goodbye. And then the same thing happened when Sharon was prime minister in Gush Katif, the Gaza withdrawal. The right said, what are you taking settlers out of their homes? We're drinking them out, drinking babies out of their homes crying. What are you drinking men and women out of their homes crying? Uh, but let's sit down and talk about it. Let's come up with a compromise solution. Nope, we have the votes. We're doing what we want to do. Chaim Ramon, who was interior minister then, said, we have the votes. We're going to crush you. But Well, uh, the, the same doesn't apply now, though. Well, listen, the, the, there were certain members of the government, Sam Rothman, who was here a few weeks ago in Ben Gvir until he reached a compromise or an agreement with, uh, with Netanyahu, was saying, go ahead, let's, let's take it to a vote. And they have a majority vote in the, uh, in the Knesset. And they, make, they, could change, they could change the law. But what do you do when you change the law, but people don't agree, don't, don't, listen, don't listen to the law? I don't know what what would happen if that happened in America. <laughs> yeah, you have chaos. Yeah, you have absolute you have absolute chaos. Can you imagine if Joe Biden says to his Treasury Secretary, "Could you uh, transfer ten billion dollars to Ukraine?" Um, no, I don't think so. Too much. I'm mm. not. I'm not doing yeah. it. Well, I think that's when you say, "Sorry, you're fired." And you, you got to listen. And you have and you have the next guy, and you have the next guy in charge do it until you reach a guy that's going to do it. And these guys yeah. have to be imprisoned, and they have to be. Well, hopefully, hopefully the tensions cool down in Israel, and this will be revisited at a time that won't really affect, uh, you know, the Pesach schedule of everybody. Not that they made. I, I guess it was included in the decision, um, but hopefully, cool heads prevail in Israel. Things calm down a bit, and uh, there is a un- there will be a united front. The next, the next story I want to get to: Are Jews the only people in the world? That are have that have polio or are spreading polio, is that the case? I would tell me what you saw outside of the White Shul in Frockway, New York, this morning. Okay, um, uh, someone called me this morning uh, about an hour ago and said that there was a red truck parked in front of Congregation Knesset Israel in Frockway on Empire Avenue, right outside. A big red sign. I have a picture of it. I can send it to you, and you can post it if you want. And it says polio is spreading in Israel. Okay, and then in a bunch of small letters underneath that, it tells you it urges people to get a polio vaccine because there's been some news that some people, especially I think in Rockland County or in certain, you know, uh, very religious communities are resisting uh, getting uh, uh, vaccinated. Okay, Uh, so but this this is a, a type of message 
that, uh, and by the way, the person that saw it went over to the truck driver and asked him who he is and where he's from. He didn't want to talk to him. Uh, he said he's calling the police, and he called the police. And by the time the police got there, the guy left. But the truck driver did tell somebody else that he's not going to leave until his boss tells him uh, to leave. And they said, who's your boss? He says his boss is New York State. Yeah, so I saw I saw in this week's Mishpacha magazine an ad a similar wording about polio, about polio is spreading in Israel and you have to make sure to get the vaccine. So it seems like New York State is spreading this message that polio is spreading in Israel and we need to be careful about that. I think I think I think there's uh, I heard about that. I heard that about the ad Mishpacha magazine. Uh, from the Department of Health, um, I, I think that there's a difference between a newspaper or a magazine ad and a, a truck being parked outside of a shul. Uh, or I know after the, sh- if, by the way, after the, um, after the truck left the front of the shul and people started bothering the driver about why he's there, he drove into Cedarhurst and he was in the Gourmet Glot uh, parking lot. Now, um, this communicates, this, you know, if you put an ad in Mishpacha magazine, you know, you're talking to the Jewish community, I guess, the way I see it. You're talking to the Jewish community on a Friday night, on a Shabbos afternoon, you know, after they uh, come back from shul, after they had their suda, and after they're relaxing a little bit, they read it, they see it. It either means something to them or it doesn't mean something to them. When you park yourself on the street in front of the white shul, which is a busy place in the morning, or you park yourself in the air of Pesach, in the Gourmet Glot uh, a parking lot in Cedarhurst, as other people see the message, you know, all the workers see the message, all the people driving through, going to other stores, the dry cleaners is there, there's a, 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 another grocery there. Uh, um, there's other, other places people go to, and they see that polio is spreading in Israel, which is another way of saying, by the way, hey, guys, the Jews are spreading polio. Uh, that I think is, it's uh, yeah. I think it's ridiculous, especially because we know that polio is in Lebanon, polio is in Portugal, polio is in Africa, polio is in other places in the world. You don't like you don't see like I don't understand why why is it after call you don't see New York you, you don't see New York State sending a truck to to parts of Chinatown or Harlem and saying oh polio is spreading in in this country in that country. Well, Th- that is liter- it is disgusting. I spoke to our uh, assemblyman who deals with New York State issues, Ari Brown. Uh, I called him. He's in Albany in session. He didn't know about it. Uh, I sent him the picture, and uh, I sent him. What, I told him what I thought about the. It's really an overtly um, anti-Semitic undertone type of message i'm sorry to say and he says he's going to reach out to the new york state health commissioner's office and he's going to get back to me uh, on it and he's going to be putting out a statement about it it's quite uh, uh, a disgusting thing for uh new york state uh, for uh, to allow it to happen and you know who's responsible the person responsible is the governor kathy hochel uh, I'm not saying that she signed off on it. Uh, it's a big state with a with a more than two hundred billion dollar annual budget, and there's a lot going on, a lot of middle level decisions being made. But this is a this is a bad thing to do, I think. And someone has yeah. to, and I, just like we were talking about in Israel, someone has to be held accountable. Somebody has to answer for it. Someone has to pay. I mean, someone has to lose and their more, job. And more, and more than that, and more than that, our our advocates for the Jewish community. For example, Yaguda, you need to hold these people accountable. If you're going to rub elbows with Kathy Hockel and her government when it's election season, and we're going to be friendly with these officials, when they do something as outright and disgusting as this, it's time to hold them accountable. 
Yeah, so I hope to see a statement uh, soon. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that uh, uh, a place like Lawrence or Cedarhurst and the five towns voted overwhelmingly for Lee Zeldin for governor, and it's probably nah. and there's probably no truck uh, in Muncie or Monroe that uh, voted I don't get it. overwhelmingly for so Kathy funny. Hochul. It's so interesting because to be honest, we do know there's a maybe a couple of cases of polio that exist. They said in Rockland County. How many people in the five towns have 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 case of polio? Why are you sending a truck to the White Shul or a truck to Gormenglad and Cedarhurst about polio? All Th- right, that is like uh, listen, Nachi, you got to get this uh, this uh, this edition of the Daily Thread out there uh, and circulated so we can get some answers that we can report on in the next episode. The, the, there's one more story I want to say, and this is actually a pretty interesting one. Do you think that Congress members and senators have kosher phones, Abba? Because after a recent Senate hearing with the CEO of TikTok, I'm pretty sure that many of the senators and Congress members do not know how the internet works. Check out this video. Mr. Chu, does TikTok access the home Wi-Fi network? Only if the user turns on the Wi-Fi. I, I'm sorry, I may not understand the. So if I have a TikTok app on my phone and my phone is on my home Wi-Fi network, does TikTok access that network? It will have to to access the network to get connections to the internet. If, if that's the question. Is it possible then that it could access other devices on that home Wi-Fi network? Congressman, we do not do anything that is beyond any industry norms. Um, I believe the answer to your question is no. It could be technical. Let me get back to you. Okay, I'd appreciate it if you could answer that. So this is Richard Hudson, 51 years old from South Carolina, and he's asking the CEO of TikTok if TikTok connects to the home Wi-Fi network. Now, it's a ridiculous question. Yeah, he's trying. Like, do you need to connect to the home Wi-Fi network? Should there be uh, uh, like some sort of age limit or, or maybe not age limit because this guy is a fairly young guy. Should there be some curriculum that these senators and congressmen or congresswomen need to go through in order to ask questions at a Senate hearing? What type of question is that? What was happening uh, and we could discuss TikTok and if it should be banned in the US, if it shouldn't be banned. But what strikes me about this story is that the people asking the questions have no idea what they're saying. And that's that's a problem in itself. Well, you know, I mentioned to you earlier, there were some judges being interviewed by the Senate Judiciary Committee last week, and they were asked fundamental aspects of American law. And some of the judges had blank looks on their faces. They had no idea what the law was, but yet they're uh, waiting to be uh, approved by the Senate for, for a higher level judgeship uh, in some uh, state, uh, some, some federal court. Uh, so well, I think in that scenario... I think in that scenario, that's where we go back to Joe Biden's big movement of equity and not competence. When you're trying to get people in positions of power because they're part of minority and they're not and they're not and they're not qualified, that's when you have people not knowing what 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 was it the Brady the Brady uh, uh, Brady uh, I don't know what it is the Brady something to do nothing to do with Jim Brady who was uh, Ronald Reagan's secret uh, press secretary. He answered like nothing he, to do with Tom uh, Brady either. He, nothing to do with the uh, with the uh, uh, Miami, what's it called, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was a New England Patriots either. So it, it had to do something with someone named Brady, but we don't know. We don't know who, but we're not up for judgeships. So, uh, but he should have known. He should have known. But anyways, um, I don't know. TikTok should it be banned? 
I don't know. I think Governor DeSantis was he he was asked point blank would he ban TikTok, and I said he thinks he would ban TikTok. Uh, he doesn't think he thinks that China is getting all sorts of information uh, from from the users of this app, and he thinks that all in all, it's not good for our children. What do you think? Should TikTok be banned? Okay. Uh, what do you say? Well, uh, me. What do I say? TikTok. Whether TikTok is banned or not doesn't matter to me. Uh, I don't have uh, I don't have time for TikTok. I don't bother with it. Um, but what do you think about a social media platform in general? Just I find what I find very ironic is that AOC, who is huge on TikTok, and she's saying that TikTok should not be banned. She was a big, loud, vocal voice for Parler, the far right conservative platform, to be banned and to be stripped of a platform. So I find that to be interesting. We're talking about TikTok, which the concern is that China is gathering information about the U.S. and 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 Americans and. She's fine with that prospect, but she wasn't okay with Parler, which is a conservative social media platform. Well, the problem is that TikTok is owned by the, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, and it is a way for them to spy on uh, average Americans and a way for them to get ahead of us, which they are on the verge of doing because of the way the uh, Biden government is functioning in the United States. Well, I guess we'll we'll see about that. To be honest, the story there for me is that uh, if you're part, if you're a senator, if you're part of Congress, you need to know what you're asking. Don't get up there and ask questions if you don't know what it means. Right. Like absolutely. Know what Wi-Fi is. Know what a social media app is. Know what's on the platform. Don't 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 be up there with your pants down. Uh, today happens to be the yard site okay. of of my grandfather, your your father-in-law, right. uh, Aaron Sveeb and Moshe Usher is in Shemeshav and Aliyah. He was a, a strong uh, Nevardiker who who uh, had a long stint in Siberia. He was Meister Nefesh. Uh, he was with the yeshiva over there. He lost most of his family all of his, in, all of his in family. the war. All of his family. All of his family. Oh, no parents. In the war. You know, yeah. no, no, no brothers, no sisters, no parents, no grandparents. Everybody was uh, wiped out in Poland. And the yeshiva happened to escape to, to Siberia where they uh, spent three and a half years in, uh, in sub-zero uh, temperatures and starving and... Uh, a very very difficult life until they finally made it to the United States after the war in 1946 and uh, and re rebuilt their lives here, which uh, you and I are uh, are an important part of today. Yes, we are. So, Neshama should have an Aliyah if you can make a bracha, say lechaim, do a mitzvah, lezecher nishmas Aaron Sveeb and Moshe Usher. This is the Daily Thread you are listening to. We love your feedback, so make sure to reach out to us on the Daily Thread at meaningfulminute.org. And we will see you again tomorrow. Tomorrow. Have a good day.